Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we catch up and have a bit of a chat about the key trends and moves we're seeing in agricultural markets and analysing on the Mercado website. I'm Olivia Agar and for today's episode we have a few left field markets and products to talk about on the back of some of the analysis work that Adrian Ladinsky has done recently and we're going to talk about pulse markets, also bovine fetal blood and then do a bit of a catch up at the end on the lamb market. So we'll jump straight into it today. Welcome back to the podcast Adrian. Oh, thanks, Liv. Um, how's your pulse? You feel the blood in your veins? <laughs> I certainly can. I think it's still going. And yours? <laughs> oh, not bad. Um, despite the, um, I guess, the quietness of Victoria, we and on the fact I can't actually go outside as much as I'd like to, um, I'm not feeling too much like a vampire at the moment. So, Well, hopefully it sounds like things are easing up down there so you should be able to get back outside and get some vitamin d back into the <laughs> the bloodstream soon oh trust me i need it but not as much as some of the people i've talked to in melbourne recently yeah <laughs> They've been in their garage for quite some time so absolutely i know feeling it for all the melbourneites at the moment and uh hopefully it's not too much longer but I'm just glad to see the things in regional vicar anyway are taking a turn around for the better at the moment uh, let's just jump into what we were going to talk about today is the uh, pulse market to start with. I mean, we spoke to Nick Booth last week and and he was telling us about the ABES forecast and the, the big crop prospects for this season. And is it the same thing we're looking at for the pulse markets? Oh, very much so, Liv. Um, we're looking at some huge crops like for... Um, for fava beans, we're looking about 50% higher than last year. And in chickpeas, um, it's probably almost double, I think it is, from what we did last year. So we're looking at some huge crops coming through. Um, and unfortunately, um, the demand's not that strong, particularly from the fava bean side of things. So a lot of that would go into stock feed for domestic demand here. But what are some of the other mar- markets that those products are going into? Um, typically, the fava beans um, will move into Egypt, uh, both for domestic consumption for humans and also um, for the re-export market as well. So they um, typically, their demand is actually higher um, for our export um, product because they take in the beans, they process them and they export them around their, um, around their region um, as value-added products. But unfortunately, because of an export ban um, that was put through uh, earlier this year because of COVID, um, which actually expired only yesterday, that market has actually dried up completely and Egypt just hasn't been taking in the amount of beans that um, we would normally see. Right, so any idea of whether that's going to open back up now that the market's lifted or is there any any talk of that? Unfortunately, no. Um, I did a little bit of a um, ring around earlier today um, on this subject and I talked to a trader uh, in Melbourne um, on this, and he said that there basically hasn't been any whispers at all of any um, demand, import demand coming out of Egypt at the moment. No one's looking to shift to, to Egypt. So it looks like we're probably going to be carrying these fava beans um, in storage um, to a large extent um, this year. Yeah, because I can't imagine there's much of the demand on the feed side of things this year, seeing as there's so much pasture around. Um, so what's the pricing point looking at um, for, for this coming crop? 
Well, Pulse Australia has forecast about 400 to 450 for this cup for this coming crop, but we're not seeing that pricing at the moment. So current trading is around about $400 mark. Um, but I've, me personally, I've got a feeling that it actually has a way to move south, um, and most of that is um, essentially because we're just not going. There isn't that human consumption um, demand coming out of Egypt. Um, it probably won't end up coming back, but it's something we're going to be watching. I don't think things can fall quite as far um, as we did see back in 2016 when beans actually went down to, I think, about $100, $120 mark or thereabouts. Um, and I think the large reason for that is probably because beans are always going to be worth more than barley at the end of the day because of the higher, um, feet, the higher protein content. Uh, so producers will pay out if they're looking for feed more for beans natural than they will for the barley product. So not a very good prospect for the pulse market um, for the for this season coming. And the other thing I want to talk to you about, Adrian, is your cattle analysis that you did on Mercado this week. And I must say it was an article that definitely caught some attention and caught my attention. And I think it was something to do with the title, which for our listeners was Aussie cows could help make COVID vaccine. And you put a lot of interesting research into this article, Adrian. So can you start out by taking us through a bit of a background to what co-product we're talking about here? Uh, so the co-product we're looking at here is um, fetal calf blood. Now, it's not a product that we really um, talk about very often, and, and co-products in general actually are something that's probably a little bit undercovered um, in, in general. Um, when we when we think about the value um, of our cattle, we re we generally really think about the value of the meat that's in them. But there's actually a lot of other products. Um, within a cow, which can be worth quite a bit of money. And, and in this case, um, a calf fetal blood can be worth up to about $350 um, for a single cow, um, which is a significant amount. So about 25% of the value of, of a cow. So if you're selling a cow that happens to be pregnant, that you've, you've been forced to offload, um, it's a real negotiating point, I think, um, for when you're um, looking at that sale. Yes, definitely not something that we often think about. But how does that fit in with the potential COVID vaccine? There's a couple of different ways that vaccines are traditionally manufactured. One includes um, the use of chicken eggs um, and the other is using something called cell line technology where, um, where, where cells are basically grown in a Petri dish um, to produce the vaccine. Now, <clears throat> calf fetal serum is, is essentially what is used to actually feed those cells as they grow in the petri dish. And there's very few good substitutes for it. That's one of the reasons why um, this product is actually worth so much. And it's about a 700 to $1 billion US market worldwide. Wow. And is there is there much talk on whether this will be used as part of the COVID um, vaccines that are currently, you know, being tested and and being put through the ringer? Um, currently, the um, <clears throat> the AstraZeneca um, or um, Oxford University vaccine, um, which is looking like it's got a lot of promise. Um, what we do know about that is that it does use this cell line technology. What we don't know is whether or not they'll actually be able to use um, a synthetic alternative to 
bovine um, fetal serum to um, produce the vaccine. Um, if they can't, um, this could actually um, produce quite a bit of demand for this product. Yeah, right. And so how would Aussie cows fit into this scenario? I mean, we, we don't have that many females, um, you know, going going to slaughter at the moment. Um, what do you think about the situation there? Australia is actually in a very unique position um, in the world market for this product. So between us, New Zealand and the US, um, we actually represent um, the safest and probably most trusted um, serum products um, in the world. Um, and these are preferred for regulatory reasons and also for um, lack of contamination um, from various viruses like mad cow disease um, and foot and mouth disease, which can be present in um, sources from, say, the UK, Canada um, and South America. Yeah, well, it's really interesting research, Adrian, and that's something we're definitely going to have to keep a watch of, especially as there's more and more talk every week about these vaccines and people, you know, holding out hope that one will be successful. So we'll have to keep our eyes out to see whether the Australian cattle industry might be a part of of com- combating COVID going forward. Very much so. It's one to watch. All right. Now, I just want to finish off um, with a bit of a lamb market update this week. Um, In recent weeks, we've seen that supply has been increasing on the East Coast with the new lambs coming onto the market. But we've also seen with that is an increase in price. They're actually edging higher as well, which is very good signs. We've actually got the Eastern States trade lamb indicators are back above 700 cents per kilo. And and that's um, gains right across all types and categories Uh, And they're back actually at levels of early August. So it does really seem like that period in August where we had the land market falling heavily, it was a bit of an overcorrection and the prices are now coming back into the territory where it was comfortable um, about the supply and demand situation. Thinking about going forward and what supply we've got left, we do a regular analysis piece on Mercado that Angus Brown did this week where he takes a look at Meat and Livestock Australia's lamb slaughter forecast which was 20.6 million head and we deduct what's already been slaughtered so far which is 14.8 million head and that tells us that we should have around 5.78 million left for the coming three months this year. So that's uh, would mean that October slaughter is slightly higher than last year, November about 7, 7% higher and December about 8% as well. Liv, how do you think the sheep market's going to go um, towards September as volumes of uh, spring lambs increases and, and we've still got these issues with the, uh, with the restrictions on the processes we've got here in Vic? Yeah, look, I mean, it's the typical type of year that prices do fall heavily when we see all these spring lambs come onto the market. Uh, It is a good sign that the market has sprung back over the last month, um, but it's definitely not going to be, um, well, it's going to be those processing restrictions if they are in place till the end of November. It's definitely going to be putting a bit of a lid on, on pricing, Adrian. Mm. Do you think some of these um, these lambs might actually end up getting pushed into heavy lambs um, he- and heading for the export market later in the year at all? Yeah, that happened a lot last year, Adrian, where um, a lot of producers were putting on um, some more weight onto lambs and, and they got rewarded for it last year. So I think a lot of farmers will remember that situation and be looking at all their green paddocks and do the same this year. 
Well, that sounds like a bit of a wrap for today. Adrian, thank you again to, for joining me here today. And thanks for all our listeners for tuning in for another week of Commodity Conversations. Hope you all stay safe and well. And those in regional Vic, get outside and do some socialising with some friends and fresh air over the weekend. And we'll talk to you next week.